Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Legacy Podcast. My name is Bill Dupenthaler. And I'm Mike Conan, and this is a podcast for disciples who want to make disciples. Well, everybody, welcome to the Legacy Discipleship Podcast. I'm Mike Conan. I'm here with Bill Dupenthaler, and we've been doing this series, What Would Jesus Do? And uh, Bill and I have both been intrigued by this as we've been thinking about different topics to talk to you about, and um, I'm not going to go through them all now, but it's been fun to engage the different ideas, and uh, we've had a few that we can't get to because we're going to wind this down the next few weeks, but... One that we both thought would be worthwhile to talk about is one that neither of us wanted to talk about, frankly. <laughs> so um, both of us come out of worlds where we've talked about the subject here, and uh, it has not gone well, and it has been challenging, and because it's so controversial, not just outside of the church, but inside the church. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, would Jesus be involved in sexual immorality? Would Jesus be involved in sexual immorality? Uh, and I want to say the answer should, could be this could be like the shortest podcast ever. We could just say no, <laughs> no, and then move on, right? We're dead. That, that was a What's great the podcast. next topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we have to start at, the, at just the, the foundation for everything is quite simply this, right? Yeah. And, and I would also say on this whole what would Jesus do thing, you know, I mean, some of these topics, it's like, okay, yes, Jesus would not be involved in sexual immorality. But so but so the real question is, well, what would Jesus say to us about that topic? You yeah. Know? So, so we'll it's more like if Jesus were me, uh, what would he be doing? You know, and he's married with three kids and, you know, so it, it's... And for everybody in whatever circumstance you're in, it's, I guess, the challenge that we're putting out there is to ask the question, well, what would Jesus do if he were me in my situation? Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the foundation for this. I mean, first of all, we have to begin with this idea that God made us to be sexual creatures. Um, We cannot get around that. From the very first chapter before sin enters the world, it says that uh, the two shall become one flesh. Uh, and it is, there's no mystery there because, and, and they were both naked and they felt no shame. And so from the beginning, we see this idea that God has made us sexual creatures. And then, and it's good, right? It's really good. You know, so I think, I think that'd be the, like, really almost like the, the first thing to say is I think a lot of 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 kids grow that grow up in in Christian homes, grow. I I know I kind of did have this idea always that sex was bad, you know, and and you know don't be involved in sex, and you know wait till you're married, you know, and and then and then I guess it's okay, but you know, but sex is bad, you know, and and it's like no, sex is really really good, and it's it's a gift from the Lord, and and it it is a good thing, and He said that is good, but he did, the Lord did say it's reserved for between uh, two people that are married. Well, and were we to take it, you know, a little bit further in Genesis, we would see this call. So God called them to, which we've talked about before, work to have a meaning and purpose of making a difference for God's goodness in the world. But also God wired them to multiply. 
Um, because whatever God calls us to do, he's going to give us a drive to do it because he's good. Now, sin comes in and pollutes everything. So, so we shouldn't be surprised that every single one of us finds some sort of a sexual drive in us because that's in our original wiring and calling by God to multiply and fill the earth. I remember sitting at a conference on um, sexual issues and challenges, and the speaker is one of the leading psychologists at the time. And uh, he said, and he looked at this room of men and women and, you know, hundreds of people in the room and said, every single one of us has issues in this area. Every single one of us struggles with sexual immorality. And so that was in some ways comforting and some ways discomforting. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's like, wow, okay. Um, but as you said, Bill, we both believe in the covenant of marriage. We both believe in, in the marriage between a man and a woman and that when a man and a woman come together in intimacy, it's awesome. It's yeah. good. And it is from the Lord and it is nothing better than that. And in some ways, sexual immorality, the evil one uses to, as we're going to talk about in next week, uh, to really challenge marriages. Right. And instead of building them together as God intended, evil can use those things to divide marriages. And so uh, I think we want to, it's important to talk about not only when you're single, but also when you're married, like how do you, you know, is sexual immorality, is it okay? Is it not okay? And I think this is where the topic came about for me is I've seen so much change in the church that it's really challenging, really challenging. I mean, I was just 25 years ago when I was a pastor, uh, the, the thought that you could be sexually immoral, immoral and it would be totally fine is crazy. Like these, I, I'll never forget the athletes who post Bible verses every day and this guy's living with his girlfriend, got two kids with her, and not married, but posting Bible verses every day. And for me, that sends the message of, I love Jesus, and Jesus loves sexual immorality, or loves me sleeping with my girlfriend. And so there's part of me that's like, man, what? How do I, that's the tension I feel is we've, the churches, and this is not just famous people, this is everyday people, kind of left the actual act of, of sex outside of marriage is something that's okay. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I, I don't really know how we have arrived at this point, but I do know, I mean, like you say, I mean, there, there was a time when, when, um, I mean, people wouldn't think of living with somebody out before marriage. I mean, that would be, that would be just scandalous, you know, and we're talking about amongst uh, uh, people who identify as Christians. Probably 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. It it would be absolutely scandalous. And, and, and I know people that, that um, are pastors that would not marry somebody if they were living together and and, and they'd say, well, no, you need to, you need to move out and and, and I'd raise my hand, that's yeah, me. and and be and 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 start living uh, a, a godly lifestyle, and and then and then I can marry you. But right now you're living in in you know in in sin. Well, I I would tell you that I raised my hand because that that was my standard was like I don't know what you've done before this, and God is gracious, God forgives, but I I can't bring you into a, a union together if we're going to start off on a path of sin and and disregarding what the Lord would say and. Um, so I would say, though, frankly, I've married dozens and dozens of people. Three quarters of them probably lived together before they were married and were sexually intimate with each other before they were married. Yeah. Uh, and I just blew my mind. And again, I don't know what it was like for pastors 30, you know, 
plus years ago because I didn't get to pastor then. But today it's like, wow. And then when you start talking to them about some of these things, they, they actually want to repent and they know that what they're doing is not what God would have sometimes. And so well, like and, and that's, and, and, and I've, and I've actually um, married a few of those types of people as well uh, who were in a situation like that. And, and, uh, and I guess, I guess the way I justified it was, okay, well, you want to do the right thing now. Um, and, and so it's, but it's, 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 it's a challenging topic. I mean, this, this whole topic of sexual immorality, it's, it's very challenging because uh, like we talk about, it affects everyone. And and, yeah. and and there's no one that is immune to this, and 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 so uh, for us even to be sitting here talking about it as if we're the you know the authorities on on how to do it right, and and then then you know we've never sinned and all that kind of thing. No, not at all. You know, so so it's so it's a challenge. Well, maybe we come back to like you had said, Bill, from the beginning, and say, well, if Jesus didn't struggle with this, and we're told that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, but was without sin. So in some ways he was tempted to lust. He was tempted to for, towards sexual immorality, but he didn't. And we know sexual immorality has been around since the beginning. Okay. Right. So this is not any kind of a new thing. And it's, it's always condemned in the Bible. Even when people take multiple marriages and multiple things in the Bible, it's never something that the Lord illust- you know, orchestrates and says, this is good. He allows it. Uh, and, probably like he allows us to have sexual morality today, you know, in the sense of, you know, I, he doesn't stop us, but our own will can get overridden, overrides in some ways God's will at times, unfortunately. But maybe the best way for us to start and to tackle this is to look at how did Jesus treat those who were sexually immoral? Because we do have some cases where Jesus uh, has folks that are brought to him that are in sexual immorality, because again, we don't know how he was. Well, we know how he was. But we don't know how he was tempted per se, because we don't get that right. Right. But we know he was without sin in this area. And so, oh, you know, what are which one stands out to you the most? There's a couple of probably big ones there. Well, the 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 story of the woman caught in adultery is is um, always, you know, that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's just it's it's just so um, filled with uh with grace and forgiveness okay yeah and for those of you that don't know um jesus is in the temple he's teaching and the pharisees drag this woman out of a bedroom throw her in front of jesus and say hey the scripture says we're supposed to stone her uh because she's caught in sexual immorality what do you say uh, kind of an interesting moment, right? And then uh, what happens after that is Jesus starts writing on the ground, right, with his finger. Yeah, well, it's it's such a it's such a cool scene, and and uh, just to tell a little story uh, because this is one that's that's known by most people in the in the in the Christian world. You grow up and you, you hear about the story of the woman caught in adultery, and I'll come back to that in a second. <clears throat> but when we lived in France. I remember the first time I, I told this story to a, a, a group of, of students, and and because they're not very churched, they they had never heard the story before. Oh wow! And so and so we get to the point where where uh, you know there's this crowd of people they've got their rocks they're ready to you know to stone her to death uh, because she was caught in the act of adultery, and and Jesus bends down and 
and, and writes in the sand, and, and people have speculated on what was he writing. Maybe he was writing some of the sins of the people that were in the crowd, or maybe he was just doodling, just trying to get the attention off of this poor woman. But regardless, he stands up, and he looks around at the crowd, and I, I love, I was telling the story over there, and, and they're like, well, what did he say? Right. <laughs> you know? and, and, yeah, we want to know. And he said, well, the person among you that has never sinned, you throw the first stone. And, and, um, <laughs> the, and the reaction of these kids was so cool. Whoa, that was really good. And, 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 and it's so cool because then, you know, the, the Bible says that the, the, the people that were the oldest and the wisest, you know, at first we were kind of like, well, I guess I'm out. And yeah. then pretty soon everybody had left because they all knew that they had no ability to judge her any, any more than anybody else because they were also uh, sinners themselves. Why do you think he did that? Did what? Like, why did he, why did he put that before them as the benchmark for how, you know, if you can condemn this woman, you know, your own sin, if you're without sin. That's a good question, Mike. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking about it. I don't know. I, I mean, I always thought of the, the, I, the for me the the the, um, the 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 things that that always stuck out for me in that story were one, um, Jesus' compassion for this woman, and and it seems like the, the from the very moment she was brought before him. Um, the, the his his goal was to take the attention off of her so just just sure. distracting them with writing in the ground or you know th those kinds of things um and then and then just the the absolute uh, forgiveness which we haven't talked about yet the the uh, the postscript i guess of the story once everybody was left yeah i wonder if he did it also to kind of equalize the playing field a little bit you know um for instance we to this day, still elevate sexual immorality as one of the big ones, you know? Right. And right. if you do this, then boy, you're really a sinner. But if you just gossip about somebody, that's not a big deal. If you, you know, get angry in once in a while at your kids, that's not a big deal. Yeah. If you, you know, Cheat maybe the taxes a little bit. Yeah. But if, boy, if you're involved in sexual immorality, then that is like the grand poobah of sins. Well, yeah. And I wonder if Jesus did that in some ways to equalize the playing field, not to say that sexual immorality is not a sin, but to say, guys, come on, you are sinful people. <laughs> like, right. Just because you didn't do this doesn't mean that you're any less guilty and any more in or any less in need of uh, forgiveness. And I, I think that's such a good place to start when we're talking about sexual immorality as this is where I get into trouble and you get into trouble probably. And we all get into trouble, especially if we uh, aren't committing adultery. Okay, in the typical sense, we all commit adultery in some way, but we're not doing it in the typical sense. Uh, I think we can come across as pretty self-righteous at times. And, and right away, it's this defensive mechanism where we're pointing fingers at other people. And I think that's one of the things that can be a, a danger as we enter into this topic and talk about it is, okay, first of all, you got to get the plank out of your own eye and say, acknowledge the fact, hey, look, I've got my issues, I've got my stuff, but that doesn't mean this is okay. Right? Yeah, right, right. Exactly. But then the, the, the flip side of that is, uh, and it's this idea that, that, that um, 
it's so pervasive today in our society that we almost start just overlooking it and right. and and not calling it out and and um, just kind of let it go and, and 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 we were talking about this a few minutes ago before we started the podcast like how in the heck did we get to this point where right. where things that that 30 40 years ago just would have been just unthinkable are now commonplace and accepted in the church world it is such an interesting time such an interesting and and often people overlook the last line what's the last line that jesus says here do you remember yeah so after all the people had left jesus is alone with this woman and and um and 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 he asks her uh, well, where have your accusers gone? And 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 she's she's like, you know, I don't know. They all left. Uh, and then and then he said uh, he said um, uh, so so I'm 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 screwing it up. I'm not saying it perfectly, but basically he said, oh, it's it's in the notes. <laughs> if all else fails, look at the notes. Well, I mean, I know what he said. He said, go therefore and sin no more. Yeah, neither do I condemn you. Yeah, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, Mike, you, you're the theologian. I'm the I'm the practical guy. You can't you can't put me on the spot. It's in the notes. Have me come up with the first. <laughs> I mean, I know the story. I just yeah. anyways. No, it's that's good. why we're a good team. <laughs> well, it's good, and that's the part that stands out to me too. Is, yeah. Yes, Jesus is gracious. Yes, Jesus, you know, levels the playing field and says, "Guys, you're all sinners," but he doesn't look at the woman and say, "Hey, get up and go back into adultery." It's right, fine. Right, right. You know what? What you're doing is great. You know, <laughs> I know you've had a hard life. I know that you don't have any. You're worried about, you know, am I? How am I going to do this? So you found this guy who makes you feel better about yourself, or maybe he gives you money, or, you know, or you just felt compromised in this moment, so you decided to do it and. You know what? I understand. And if you want to do that again, it's okay. I understand. Jesus doesn't say that. He's kind. He's gracious. But he's also truthful. And he, yeah. he calls her and says, no, go and sin no more. Um, and <laughs> I think that's what he would say to, to all who are involved, you know, in those type of things is, look, the command is is simple. I think from the, the lips of Jesus to all of us is, you know, God did call you to be a sexual person, but he's given you a way to express that. And if you choose to express it in a different way, that is not what the Lord would have from you. Yeah. And uh, the other story that stands out, and we'll just make this one a little quicker, is the story of the woman at the well. And I think that it's important to talk about that one a little bit too, because in this one, we see Jesus being gracious. We see Jesus being kind. Uh, and he asked the woman at the well very poignant questions that bring about. Uh, so instead of the Pharisees bringing about the sexual matter, Jesus himself brings it out. It says, the woman... Uh, you, you, where's you, your husband? Yeah, where's your husband? And then he goes down the list and finally says, and the man you're with now, he's not even your husband. you know. And so he's bringing it right to the forefront. And then he has this awesome interchange with her about worship and, and all this stuff. And then she becomes a follower of Jesus. And in fact, she's one of the greatest evangelists we have in the Bible. She goes right. and she tells her whole town about him so that they can come meet Jesus. And it's pretty awesome transformation that happens in this, you know, quick time where every, nobody talks to her. She's this woman who's ostracized because of her choices and Jesus talks to her. But yeah. again, he's gracious, he's kind, but he's also truthful. Yeah. So we're 
we're a discipleship podcast, and that that's so that's the, the overarching yeah. topic. Uh, and and so I think one of the principles that that we can we can learn from this is the idea. Uh, I believe it's in Ephesians four. I think when it, when it talks about speaking the truth in love. Sure. You know, did I get that right? Well, I couldn't tell you that one. <laughs> well, come on, Mike. <laughs> Obviously, no. But but anyway, but for sure, it's in there. <laughs> it yeah. says uh, it says that we need to speak the truth in love. And and um, yeah, if you only speak the truth without love, then it comes across as being judgmental and and uh, and holier than thou, and 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 um, and and probably isn't going to help a whole lot. And, but if you don't speak the truth and you just want to, you just want to love people and just love them where they're at and don't speak the truth, then that's not helping them either because then they're, then they're never going to uh, get free like this woman who was, um, um, uh, the woman at the well. She was, she was freed, and we don't really know what happened to the woman caught in adultery, uh, but we know that the woman uh, at the well was freed from this, this pattern that she'd been in because Jesus spoke the truth in love. So how do we respond to people that are in uh, situations of sexual immorality? We have to speak the truth in love. Yes. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Well, let's talk about it uh, just for fun. I, mean, I know these questions seem kind of dumb, but would Jesus um, be involved in sexual immorality? I, I, I can't picture it. No, no. I, I can't picture it. I can't picture fornication. I can't picture Jesus saying, you know what, I'm just going to go over here and sleep with this person. Uh, you know, like the, you remember the the whole Da Vinci Code thing that came out and the, the conspiracy that Jesus had an affair with Mary Magdalene and and then they had this off offshoot child that had been risen up. And I had, I had relatives of mine or my wife's, I don't remember which, who believed that stuff. And I was like, what? Yeah. I can't, it is so out of line with everything else in scripture. It's not possible for me to imagine. Yeah. It, was Jesus tempted with her? Perhaps. We don't know. I mean, but not tempted to the point where he sinned. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's something that we probably could engage in just a little bit. Um, but, I, and then I, I also can't imagine Jesus would drop the, draw the line even further back. Cause he, he, in his teachings, he says, you know, I'm not. I'm saying adultery. Jesus said, "Is if you've lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery with her in your right, heart." Right. Right. So he doesn't lower the bar for sexual immorality. He raises the bar. Yeah. And we have done the other end where we've lowered the bar. And now, what does it mean to lust after a woman? Now, I think you know you and I probably both have similar ideas of that. But there's uh, in the human mind, and I can't speak for women, okay, because I'm not a woman, but I can speak for the male mind. We make a conscious decision to lust. Uh, we're tempted, like, you know, a way a woman dresses or a video or something that is whatever it might be. And again, I'm not blaming anybody because it's your choice to lust or not lust. Uh, but at some point, you make a conscious decision. I am going to think further about this than I should. And I'm going to think about this or I'm going to think about that. And we all make a conscious decision to lust or not lust. And Jesus was faced with those temptations, I believe, but he never made the conscious decision to think further about it or to lust about it. Yeah, yeah. right, right. But I, th I think um, not. But uh, right. Period. Uh, and as I as I'm thinking about, so how do we get to this point where where it's 
it's such a common thing now compared to like we said. I mean, people always lusted, uh, but and, and they were always tempted. But but it's just it's so pervasive now in our society, and and not to blame it all on social media and electronics and and all oh, that man. kind of stuff. But the reality is, we are so inundated with TV shows too, well, movies well, yeah, too, yeah. television, movies, Netflix. Uh, we're so inundated by sexuality in our culture uh it's it's really difficult to get away from it well and i was just thinking about another teaching of jesus where he said you know what if your eye causes you to stumble gouge it out and if your hand causes you to stumble cut it off maybe if we were to you know chop off everybody's thumbs well (laughs) i would be able to I've been thinking more of other things with the hand, but there's, I think it's very clear that he is, what he's talking about, there's sexual immorality in both those cases. Yeah. And so then you're like, wow, Jesus was pretty radical on this stuff in, in the sense of how do we stay pure and how do we do these things? And uh, let's talk about uh, pornography. Okay. Uh, We don't know what the numbers are, but um currently, but let's assume that there's two different kinds of pornography use. One is a, a regular use and one is an addictive use. Okay. And I, the numbers I have seen have been with men in particular, that the addictive use is very high, well over 50%. And the regular use is even higher of 80, 90%. Uh, in fact, m- many think that if you're a male, you have struggled with pornography at one point or another in our culture. It's just not possible not to anymore. Um, so what do we do with that? Well, yeah, that, it, again, I mean, that's that's one of these things where um, you, you're right. This is something that, that, that pretty much everybody is confronted with, but... Uh, because it's just so prevalent, and, and we were talking about this even just before we we started the podcast about different shows that are on Netflix and and, and things that, that that we watch. And I won't mention any titles, but but uh, that that um, we are you know friend. You talk to your friends that are, that love Jesus, and oh yeah, I love that series. It's so great. And it's like yeah, me too. But what about all that stuff that's in there. It's like, oh yeah, I know, but still it's, oh, the plot is so good though, you know, so it's okay. And it's like, oh my gosh, those would be X-rated movies 30, 40 years ago. Well, this is where it gets tricky, I think, because we are drawn to sexual things in a good way. I don't think Jesus would say no to sexual things. Like, I don't think he would. I don't think that's any teaching that he has that is, you know what, don't think about sex, don't do sex, don't. Um, but he says you have to draw lines and you have to draw boundaries so that you keep sex in where it's supposed to be. And so that's why it gets tricky, right? Like yeah. how do we draw these lines? How do we draw these boundaries in such a way? So when I talk to my kids about pornography, and of course, you know, it's awesome conversation to have. <laughs> oh my gosh, hard stuff. Wow, yeah. Uh, but what I tell them is a couple of things. Number one, uh, it does reprogram your brain. And you will um, get uh, to the point where you become you can become addicted to it very very easily, and it's designed to do that. Uh, it is designed to do that. Uh, number two, pornography becomes a substitute for real sexual intimacy, and this is I think the big one that Jesus would hit on if he was teaching on it today is 
And this is what I tell them. Look, in your case, sexual intimacy does not look like I need to go out and sleep with women. But sexual intimacy for you begins with how do I have a conversation with a girl? How do I build a relationship with someone of the opposite sex? And I, I was I was laughing the other day. Uh, one of I think it was Ben Shapiro had this quote on I saw it on Twitter that uh, abortions are way down because a por- pornography is way up. And now people are just satisfying themselves sexually, and that's where our culture has gone to. So uh, they're not uh, this this new generation, the the Gen Z uh, folks, are not as sexually active as other ones are because they're all into pornography. And so then they're like, "Wow, okay, is this better? Is this worse? Is this just?" And then either way, I come back to that conversation with my kids. I'm like, "No, God designed you to love a woman. God designed you to uh, know a woman to." get into an area that is totally uncomfortable to pursue. And if you're not doing that uh, and sexual immorality is causing you not to do that because you're afraid and because you think you'll fail because you think you'll be rejected, which is a lot of it, then sexual immorality is the way to go. Cause that you'll never fail at that. Yeah. You will yeah. always find satisfaction there quote unquote. And boy, you'll never feel bad at, uh, about, you know, being rejected by your phone. Yeah. You know, you know, one of the other things that I was thinking about, like, how did we get to this point in, in setting aside all the all the social media and all the electronics and all that kind of stuff? Uh, think about like, like, a hundred years ago, maybe one hundred and fifty years ago, uh, people would get married when they were thirteen, fourteen years old. Amen. Uh, you know, or fifteen. Um, <clears throat> very common. Mary was probably thirteen. Yeah, and and so. And and now I and I, maybe you know, but I I would guess that the that the average age of people getting married would be closer to like twenty five. It's actually got higher. higher it's gone that. up quite a bit, yeah. And and so yeah. and so we're so we're in this weird place in our culture where we become sexually aware. Uh, you know, when you, however old you happen to be, but you know, twelve years old, eleven years old, maybe. Uh, and you've got another 15 years before you're going to get married. And so you've got like 10 to 15 years of, of having this, this, uh, this sexual drive that you don't know what to do with. And as a, as a, if you're a teenager uh, that wants to follow Jesus, you're told, hey, you need to save sex for, for marriage. And, uh, and, and um, you know, and so then well, how do you satisfy that? Well, we know how they satisfy it. And and that and then that drives people, I guess, to pornography and it and it drives people to sexual immorality and and um so many of the things we're talking about. And I'm not convinced that um masturbation is necessarily sinful in and of itself. I'm I'm not it's not what this topic is about per se. Um but it certainly could take you down a, a path that is not what the Lord would have for you. And if you're ever in, in any kind of a, as a pastor, you know, you're, you're always reading about pornography. And in fact, we could talk about pastors pornography used to is crazy. It's, it's something else. But uh, we see in the example of David in the scriptures, when he got into sexual morality, you know, uh, there's a few things in a pattern that we all can see when we think of sexual morality. Number one is hunger. And that's kind of interesting because you're, you can, find yourself hungry or you find yourself uh, letting your emotions and there's something driving you and you're vulnerable. Uh, another place is loneliness or being alone. And, and those are really, really big factors of how people get into sexual morality is this desire to connect with other people. That's why I talk to my kids about that. Don't 
don't confuse the desire to connect with other people and take a substitute route uh, to get right, there, right. which is what it, it ends up happening with sexual immorality. And, you know, it's, it, it, there's so much, you know, that, that we could dig into in these topics. But I, I think the, the bottom line is, you know, neither of us can imagine Jesus engaging in sexual immorality. Let's, let's just for a minute, what about sexual humor? Bill, what's it, what do you think? Would Jesus engage in sexual humor? I don't think he would. Uh, it, and again, this is one of those things that is, it's so difficult because people, you know, tell off-color jokes all the time. and, it, and Almost all sitcoms today are sexual yeah, humor yeah. and have been for a very long time. Yeah. And, and um, um, so as a follower of Jesus, do we not watch those shows or do we not respond when people tell those jokes? Um, uh, I, I, th- I think, again, it comes down to... Uh, and when it, well, those are different topics. I mean, in, in terms of sh- things that you're going to watch, I think we really do need to be discriminating on what we're going to feed into our brains and what, what we're going to watch. And, and when it comes to conversations where things are said, I think we need to be able to speak the truth and love to people. And, you know, but again, that's another whole big topic on how to do that. I don't know what Jesus would do about sexual humor. Like part of me thinks Jesus would be fine with some of it. Because he gets that we're sexual beings, okay? And he also gets that we're sinners. And so it is funny to think about how we have this wiring for this thing, but then we totally get off track. And so there's part of me that thinks, to some degree, it's not as taboo as we might think it would be. But the way that we take it and how extreme it is, for sure, I, I it's just so far there. And and maybe we we would wind this down a little bit and just say this we live in one of the most oversexualized cultures of the last few centuries and um there's the book of corinthians the book of ephesians both were written to very similar cultures and cities so this isn't anything new uh, but now if you could just imagine the corinthians and ephesians with cell phones that promoted sexual immorality everywhere you turned around and that's the culture that we live in and, and our kids and us are bombarded with this stuff all the time. And so I think Jesus would tell us, just like you said, Bill, to be gracious to ourselves, but also speak the truth to ourselves, be gracious to others, but also speak the truth to others. And if, you know, we're standing with the Lord in grace and truth, we're not going to be popular in a culture that's going the other way. And that's right. the that's the challenge you run into. But I would say this: we got to come back to the core issues too. Make sure you're connecting with other people, especially your spouse. Um, and intimacy we'll and that. sex are so important. And and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Exactly is marriage. And as we're talking about sexual morality, the best way to avoid sexual morality is to have a healthy marriage and to, to be thinking about that from the time you're a teen all the way up until you die. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be fun the next couple of weeks as as we're talking more about uh, marriage and, and not so fun to talk about divorce, but the, the reality of of all those things. And so we'll get into that. But uh, but for today, uh, man, um, just know that you are loved and you are forgiven, and God is full of grace. Yeah. Uh, and and doesn't matter what you've done, uh, even if you were caught in the very act of adultery, uh, Jesus says, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. Don't keep doing it.
So I guess that's uh, as good as a place as any to, to end this discussion. So uh, guys, we're, we're so grateful for you. Uh, we're so grateful for, for so many people who support this podcast and who support our ministry. Uh, please check out our website, ourtruelegacy.com. And uh, at ourtruelegacy.com, you can find ways to support it financially, to, uh, to get involved, uh, to pray for us, to pray with us, allow us to pray for you. And um, we're just grateful. And, and uh, so help us out, uh, spread the word about the podcast, and um, yeah, we'll keep doing it. So let's continue to be disciples who make disciples. Amen. Amen. Oh, <laughs>